Good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. Won't you join us as we worship this morning? For God so loved the world. So love the world. 
You may be seated. For God so loved the world, amen? Amen. Amen, amen. Um, if you're new this morning, and uh, for me, it's, it, it's absolutely a special thing for whenever I can come in here and see new faces. Um, so welcome. From the bottom of my heart and, and from everyone else that's, that's here weekly. Um, also, I want to thank everybody for the prayers for Kim with her surgery she had last week. That's exactly why we wasn't in attendance last week, but uh, she's doing fine. So thank you. But if you're new, please fill out one of these cards. So we'll have a record of your, uh, you being here. Um, do we have any other prayer requests? Um, I think I saw something about Terry Hewlin. Um, just keep him lifted up in our thoughts and prayers. Um, it's important that we're in prayer and supplication for one another. I mean, it, there is power in prayer. And uh, God hears, hears the prayers of, of his people. So uh, anything else? Anybody? Um, let's keep our servicemen and women lifted up for what they do for us each and every day. Aunt Bunny? Okay. Amen. Amen. Um, let's pray for everybody with, this, with COVID, you know, still going on. Um, there's a light. We know who the light is, but there's a light in this, in this tunnel, in this test that he gives us. So uh, let's, let's remain strong in the faith. Amen. Amen. Uh, so let's keep Miss Debbie and her family lifted up. Um, Carl Tyner, Joe, Joe Tyner, keep him lifted up. Miss Ella Alavera, Miss Sheila. Um, just all our church family who's not, who, who, who's not here. Um, because when one of us is out, it's a void and there's a missing. I mean, so. So uh, remember our ties, we tie them in the back, the boxes. If not, you can go on www.bridgenc.com, click on the gift tab, um, and leave your weekly tithe there. So with that, we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Brother Michael, you want to lead us to me? Let us pray. Good Lord Jesus, we want to thank you, Lord, for another day, Lord, another opportunity to come to your house, Lord, to worship and to serve you and to praise you, Lord. We glorify your name. and. Lord, I ask that you be with those names that were lifted up, Lord, and prayer requests that you honor them, Lord, and that you give them all the things that they have need of at this time, the healing. And, Lord, we ask that you be with the pastor as he comes and bring us the word, Lord. Open up our hearts and our ears, Lord, and give us the, uh, the mind and the ear to understand, Lord, what you are trying to say to us in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, Michael. We're going to introduce a new song today. And uh, a theme that is prevalent to me and probably to you for the past few months is the faithfulness of our Lord to us, how he's constantly revealing and proving his promises to us. One promise that God shared with all his people comes from the gospel of Matthew. And as Jesus states, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. 
the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. And another verse that speaks of promises is John 14, 27. Peace I leave you, may peace I give you. I do not give you as peace as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. This is the song of promises.
Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my This microphone works better when you turn it on, doesn't it? <laughs> Guys, I want y'all to know all of the problems that we have with this microphone, it's not the sound, guys. It's me. <laughs> I don't know what it is about me and technology. I just can't seem to, to get along with it, but, but thank God for it. You know, let's, let's give a hand to those guys that work in our sound booth and, and make our services available online. Amen. Amen. We are, we are certainly blessed uh, beyond measure with the talented, gifted people that God has given us here at the bridge. I really want to focus our attention in, on one verse in John chapter number 1. And that is verse number 16. John pens under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and of his fullness. Have we all received in grace for grace? Father, we are so thankful for the privilege to be able to call ourselves children of the Most High God. Yes. Join heirs with Christ. Members of the family of God. Amen. Father, we know that this is because of your grace. Not by our doing, but by yours. And Lord, as we open up this, your word this morning... I realize my every inadequacy, my inabilities. The 
the task ahead of us is bigger than I am. But it's not bigger than you are. We know that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could even ask. Yes, I need batteries. Are, are there some up here? I, I told y'all, it, it's, not, it's not them, it's me. Hey, we've got battery now. We've got juice. Like at Energizer Bunny, we're just going to go on and on and on and on. The subject of our text this morning, if you haven't already figured it out, is that great subject of God's grace. We sang just a moment about ago about the ability, the freedom that we have to bring all of our addictions and all of our failures and lay them down at the cross and there we will find Jesus waiting with open arms. That's what grace is all about. God help us to Get over the idea that we need to be bringing God our best because our best is but filthy rags according to Isaiah. It's okay for you to bring God your brokenness, your pain, your sorrow, your suffering, and your failures. That's what grace is all about. Grace is for prostitutes and prodigals it's for Pharisees it's for both sinners and saints you were not in a place when God saved you that you weren't in need of grace and can I submit to you that you've not come to a place in your Christian journey that you no longer need God's amazing grace. It's a small word. Only five letters. But in all of its smallness, it's very complex and deep. Many have been the attempts to define this word grace. 
Schofield defines the word as God's unmerited favor in that it's that glorious act whereby God gives to us that which we do not deserve, we cannot afford, and we can never acquire by our own achievements. Some have even used the acronym for the word grace to try to communicate to us its benefits and its blessings. The acronym being God's riches at Christ's expense. That's a pretty good definition of the grace of God. But as we contemplate the very truth, the reality, the existence of God's grace, it seems that we cannot seem to fit it into any type of box. It's a difficult word to grasp the whole concept of. In fact, I'm almost satisfied that this side of eternity will continue to glean bits and nuggets and jewels about this word grace, but never fully understanding all of the concepts that apply to it. I think that when we try to put grace into a box under the thumb of our theological understanding, it breaks the box much like the alabaster box of ointment that was poured out so graciously upon our Lord. Even the human language breaks down when trying to communicate this five-letter word that we call grace. I think the ancient hymn writer understood the difficulty in defining and communicating such an amazing truth and just come to the conclusion to call it God's amazing grace. That's a pretty good definition, isn't it? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Grace cannot be contained or constrained. It's too broad in its scope. Too deep in its subject. But there are some truths that we can glean from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse number 16, that we must understand about the grace of God to be beneficiaries of it. Now, Mind you, God speaks to me in simple fashion, and these are simple elementary truths. But though they are simple and elementary, they're profoundly amazing and powerful. 
deep, deep as the ocean. First, I want to notice from our text that there is only one source whereby we are given access to the grace of God. John says, and of his fullness, we have all received grace for grace. The predominant personal pronoun found in the text is in reference to the preeminent provider of God's amazing grace. The identity of grace is not found in a ritual, a practice, doesn't come from a church or a ministry within the church. According to the text, the source of grace is the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then in verse number 17, the Bible plainly declares that grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. You'll find throughout Scripture from Genesis to Revelation and that God's favor always derives from the same source. There's only one source. Many conduits, but one source. Jesus is the source that we must go to in order to acquire grace. I said there are many conduits. I believe that God, through Christ, administers grace through his church. I'm glad to come to a church that believes in grace. Amen? Amen. I believe that God... Through Christ, administers grace through the conduit of prayer. That we pray in the name of Jesus and grace is made available. I believe that God administers his grace through people like you and through me. We're ministers of grace. But in all of that, we're only talking about conduits. A conduit without a source is empty and useless. The source of grace is impeccable because it's Christ himself. Just a week or so back, I got a call from Tim Blake back there, a member of our church, and he was over at Rory's house because Rory's water had stopped making its way to the house. Now, Rory doesn't get city water. His water don't come with all the chemicals that those of us who are on city water have. 
He's got a source of water in his front yard. He calls it a well, a well of water. But something broke down. And the water wasn't making its way from the source to the house. And Tim called me. He needed some help figuring out why the water wasn't making its way to the house. And the first thing that we think about is wonder if the well went dry. Wonder if there's no water in the source. But what we found out, Joel, was there was nothing wrong with the source. The breakdown was in the conduit. The, the breakdown was in the means whereby God or, or, or we use to get water from the source into the house. Conduits are bad to break down. And sometimes, even in the ministry of grace, we'll have problems with the conduit. But what you won't find is a source that's run out of water. There's nothing wrong with the whale. The whale's always got plenty of water. In fact, the text says of the fullness of him, of the fullness of Christ, we have all received grace for grace. The well don't never run out. Sometimes the conduit breaks down. Now, now here, here's, here's a, a, a problem is that sometimes... People won't connect to the source because they see all of the problems with the conduit. They won't receive grace because something's broke down in the church. They, they, they won't receive what they need from the well because there's something wrong with the conduit. But here's the thing, friends. Broken conduits is what grace is all about. We as the conduit are recipients and in need of God's grace. Don't stop drinking water because there's something wrong with the conduit. The source is always reliable, always Dependable. It's through God's source, not his conduit, that we're able to receive the forgiveness of our sins. Paul penned to the church at Rome that believers are justified. Somebody say, I'm justified. Freely by his grace. Through the redemption that is in the church. No, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Through the redemption that is in the whale. So we, according to the grace of Christ, 
are able to experience, to acquire, to, to receive the gift of God's forgiveness. Boy, isn't that good news? Because whether you recognize it or not, all of us need it. To the church at Ephesus, he wrote that by grace you are saved through faith. Not by, by what we do, but by what God has done in sending his son into this world, a measure of his grace. But, but not only do we receive the forgiveness of God through the grace of Christ, but through the grace of Christ, we have access into the family of God. Boy, I'm glad I'm forgiven. Aren't you? I'm glad God was able to say, you are justified by the grace of my son. But boy, I sure am also glad that he didn't forgive me and set me out to live the rest of my life all by myself. I'm glad he didn't put me in a, a business or an organization, but rather he put me in a family Amen. by the grace of Christ. In verse 10, the Bible says in the, he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. He came to his own and his own received him not. Now, we're going to come back to that. But where I want to get to right here is to them, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Boy, isn't that some good news. Those who have received Christ have give, been given Power, the word is exousia in the Greek. It's, it's by permission and privilege. We've been given authority and ability to become the sons of God. Brothers and sisters in the family of God. Aren't you glad that by God's grace, you got family? Oh, you might not like me too much now, but get used to it because we're going to be brothers a long time for all of eternity. L listen, he's speaking to the church universally, but bring us, brings us into one family, the family of God, and that's a measure of God's grace. Now, I've asked you before, but I'm going to say it again. Isn't it true that in all of our biological families, our moms and dads and brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles, and, and especially them cousins and in-laws and outlaws, aren't there some that if you're honest with God and honest with yourself, you'd like to cut them out of the family tree? Come on. We've all got them. And, and do you realize that some of your family see you in just that fashion? It seems like we have a hard time getting along with one another, don't it? But, but, but here's the reality of it. 
by God's grace, he's placed us in a family. And friend, I don't know about you, but I've become really, really mindful as of late that I don't know what I would do apart from being a part of the family of God. It's not that I have to be a part of the church. I don't know what I would do without the church. We need one another, and God has made a family, a familial relationship through the grace of Christ. Thirdly, by the grace of Christ, we have been granted access to fellowship with God. John deals with this in the first book of John. In chapter number 1, he deals with this fellowship, this idea of fellowship with the Father. John says, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. Now, he's talking about Jesus that John's saying, we not only saw him and heard him, but we touched him and we handled him. And that that we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you may have fellowship with us. There's the family. But truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. So John wants us to understand that it's by Christ and, and the grace of Christ that we can have fellowship with the Father. Fellowship, yes, with the family, but fellowship with the Father. The word fellowship in the Greek is koinonia, and it literally carries the idea of partnership or relationship. That we're able to have a relationship with God because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not a God who's out there somewhere untouchable until the future. Because of Jesus, he's God right here, right now. He's an on-time kind of God. Amen. I like what the hymn writer said. He walks with me. He talks with me. Do you have that kind of a relationship with God? You know, Paul says to, to pray without ceasing. He's not saying that we're always to be like this by our bedside praying to God, but rather our day-to-day -day life as we're walking and working and living throughout the day, every day should be a constant communion and relationship and communication with our Heavenly Father. Hey, it's not all about showing up and giving Him glory on Sunday. In fact, if you don't praise him on Saturday, it's probably going to be ineffective worship come Sunday. So we have relationship with God through the grace of Jesus Christ. Have you ever stopped for just a moment to think about how far it must be from here to heaven? I mean, it's thousands and thousands of light years that we can see through the Hubble telescope, but we still can't get a glimpse of God's glory in heaven. But you see, we don't have to wait till we get to heaven because Jesus, by grace, has brought heaven down to us. The kingdom of heaven is, not will be, at hand. So, so we need to understand that grace is more than just 
the experience of salvation. It's grace for every area of day-to-day life. Now, now we know, according to Scripture, that nobody's getting to heaven apart from grace. For it is by grace you are saved through faith. Grace, that unmerited, undeserved, unearned provision of God. That act whereby God gives us what we do not deserve, we could not afford, or never acquire on our own. That's grace. Now, that's a hard concept for all of us, if we're honest with ourselves, to get our mind around. But because we live in a world that's consumed and governed by the idea you get what you earn. And by the way, that's a good principle. It's a biblical principle. Did you know that the Bible says if a man will not work, neither? Oh, you did know that, didn't you? So, so it's definitely a good principle to apply to our day-to-day life while here on earth. Problem is that principle won't get you to heaven. For it is by grace that you are saved. And we have a hard time getting our minds around this idea of getting something for absolutely nothing. Think about it this way. If you were to give God something worthy of your admittance into heaven, what would that something be? Boy, it just all falls apart right there, doesn't it? Because there's not enough money in my bank account. And there's not enough good in my life. Paul, one of the godliest men in all of the Bible, said there is no good thing that dwelleth in me. That is in my flesh. You know what we need to come to grips with, Joel? Is this idea, this truth, that no matter how godly you are on the outside... It doesn't deal with the problem you have down on the inside. And Paul says, in my human nature, there's not one good thing that I can bring to God and say, okay, here it is. Let me in. It's a difficult concept. In fact, D.L. Moody was preaching on the subject of revival in a mining town church. There was a miner that approached Moody after the service and he said, I'd love to believe what you preach because I would love nothing more than to believe that God can forgive all of my sins. But I just can't believe that all it takes is for me to turn to him And he will forgive me. And D.L. Moody says, well, why, why do you have a problem with this truth of grace? 
To which the miner replied, it's just too cheap. Moody looks to the miner and he says, did you work today? And the miner said, sure, I worked, just like I do every day. I went into the pit at 4.30 this morning. Moody responded, well, how did you get back out of the pit? The miner replied, I got in the cage, same as I do every day, and they pulled me out. Moody asked him, well, did you pay for your elevator ride? The miner laughingly said, no, I didn't pay for the elevator ride. I just got in and they pulled me out. And Moody said, well, how could you trust in the cage if it was so cheap? To which the miner responded, Oh, the elevator's not cheap. It's cheap for me, but the company paid a lot of money in order to get us out of that pit. And as he was saying those words, it dawned on him that while grace is cheap for us to receive, it came at a great price. Jesus is the source of grace. That God searched all of heaven and found his greatest treasure and said, this is the price that I'll pay to lift you up out of the pit of sin. Isn't God's grace amazing? He paid the price that we cannot afford to pay. Jesus is the source of grace. There is no other. Religion won't do it. Self-righteousness won't accomplish it. No amount of money you give to the church, don't stop tithing. No amount of money that you give to the church will merit you a place in God's home that we call heaven. If you're to get there, it's because you're tapped in to the right source. Secondly, I want to say something about not only the source, but the scope of God's grace. Now, the source speaks to the access, but the scope of God's grace speaks to the availability of it. John says... Of his fullness have all we received. Do you know what the word all means in the Greek? Yeah, same thing it means in the English. It means all, each and every one, culminated together, all. What I want to take away from this phrase all we is that grace is not distributed according to social standards. It's not acquired denominationally. It's not a Baptist grace or a Methodist grace. It's a Jesus grace. 
And it's available to everybody and anybody. Hey, by the way, did you know grace is colorblind? It's not just for white folks. It's for black folks too. It's not just for Americans. It's for Indians. Come on, I'm not talking about American Indians. Grace is available for each and every one of us. It does not see racial, ethnic, educational, or economic barriers. Grace isn't limited to the religious or the righteous. It's even available for the rebellious. Aren't you glad for that? In fact... It's only those who recognize their rebellion who actually become recipients of God's grace. All we, well, that includes folks like me. Look to your neighbor and say, all we's me. Recipients of God's grace. But now while the grace of God is accessible, available to every person on the planet before it can become experiential, experiential, it's got to be received individually and personally. What I mean is God has given the gift through Christ. But you got to receive it. Every Christmas at our house, we, we go all out, my wife and I, in, in, in trying to select gifts for our children. And, and we, we go out and we purchase those gifts. And by the way, they ain't cheap. And if any kids is watching today, please, come Christmas, don't spend more time playing with the cardboard than you do what's inside of it. That's an insult to your parents. But, but we wrap them up and we place them under the tree. Now, it was a blessing to us because we were able to purchase the gifts and make them available to our children. But until Blair comes to our house, comes to our tree that we provided and unwraps the gift that we gave to her, then it's no benefit to her whatsoever, no matter what a blessing it was for me and John to purchase and pay for and present to her. And you see, that's the way with God's grace. God wrapped up his greatest gift God wrapped God in a robe of flesh and placed him not under a tree but on a tree and says, here he is, the greatest gift that I have to offer 
But you got to come get him. You got to receive him. You got to unwrap him. You've got to take ownership of the gift that I'm giving you. Now, boy, it's, it's, it's fun at our house because we don't get real orthodox in it. I mean, we just go to ripping stuff open and letting paper fly. It's a mess when we get done on Christmas morning at our house. But not so with God. But because while we have many ways of opening gifts, y'all know what I'm talking about? My wife ain't like me. I rip the paper off. I mean, I, I don't care about the box. I, I'll rip the cardboard, the bows, leave a, 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 a pile. Of, my, my wife's sitting there peeling each piece of tape off. When she gets done, she's folding up her paper and sticking it back in the bag. She's organized and structured that way. So, by the way, is God. There's only one way to unwrap his gift. You see, you don't receive his gift your way. However you want to, whatever you think feels good and looks right and is acceptable in your sight. No, to receive God's grace. Wouldn't you like to know how to do that? How to receive the forgiveness of God. How to receive fellowship with God. How to get into the source. How to drink from the very well of God's grace. We've been given access to it. It's available, but how do we get a hold of it? Don't miss this. For it is by grace that you have been saved, here it is, through faith. Oh, wow, preacher. Are you serious? It's that simple. I can have grace by just believing. You mean I don't have to do religious calisthenics? Pray all of the right prayers at all of the right times? Join the church? Pay tithes, go to Sunday school, read my Bible? You, you mean I can have grace apart from all of that stuff that I can do? Well, that's what Paul said. No, that's what God said. For by grace you are saved through faith. In other words, if you want to receive the grace of God, all you have to do is stop calling God a liar. Now, now listen, most of us have already experienced saving grace. Okay, two or three of us have. That is, we came to believe, accepted that all we had to do was believe that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish 
but have everlasting life. It was that simple. It was that easy. That's how I got saved. How about you? But, but somehow, we see grace as ending in that moment. It was good for salvation, but, but, but that's where we leave it at. We drank the cup empty the day we got saved. We turned up the cup of God's salvation and we drained it to the last drop. And then the problem becomes we try to live our Christian life according to the energy of our own ability and our own flesh. We couldn't get ourselves saved, but somehow we think we can keep ourselves that way. We, we couldn't get ourselves into the family of God, but somehow we think that we can serve God in and of our own strength and our own ability. And therefore, we wear ourselves out trying to live a life that can only be lived by God's grace. You see, grace isn't only for salvation. At least not only. It's grace for salvation, sanctification, and glorification. It's not only grace just in what we see as the spiritual aspect of grace. It's grace available to each and every one of us. That's the scope of it. But we need to understand something about the supply of God's grace. Miss Joan, I know who the source is. I know what the scope is. It's available to all of us. Amen? But John says... And of his fullness have we all received grace. That's salvation. That's conversion. That's that gift of eternal life through faith in his son. But John did not stop there. He said, we have all received grace for grace. Now, now... That kind of complicates things a little more. But as you begin to study out that phrase in the original language, it could literally be translated like this. We have all received grace upon grace. We have all received grace on top of grace. We have all received grace and more grace, and more grace, and more grace, and more grace. You see, you don't stop needing grace just because you got born again. No, we need grace every moment, 
every hour and every day. Aren't you glad that Scripture says His mercies are new every morning? There's an endless supply of God's grace. But, but some of us have drank from the cup enough grace to be saved and are literally dehydrated spiritually from a lack of more grace. What I mean is, I don't know how I'm going to get this out, Billy. What I mean is, is you need to stop sipping grace through a saucer when God wants to deliver it through a fire hose. You need to stop drinking from a cup when God's got an ocean full of it. You shouldn't have pulled your straw out of the well when you first got saved because God's got enough grace to go around for every area, every aspect of our lives. Did you know that we receive grace on top of grace even when we're not aware of it? What I mean is, I don't believe that you got out of the bed this morning apart from the grace of God. I don't believe there's a heart beating in your chest right now except it first filtered through the fingers of God's amazing grace. You see, some of y'all are going to go somewhere, maybe to your home or to a restaurant, and you're going to have lunch this afternoon. And you're going to tip the waiter and forget about the ocean of grace that provided it. That's better preaching than we're getting credit for, Joel. Listen, John wants us to understand that not only do we need grace for everything, there is a grace for everything. Now, I'm I'm going to get... In your business. I'm going to get all up in where you're living at right now. Because some of you, maybe all of us, have thought to ourselves, this trial, this temptation, this trouble, This pain, this sorrow is more than I can bear. I'm talking to Christians every day who are saying, I'm struggling with this addiction and I just cannot overcome it. Right there, stop. You just called God a liar. Paul said, God has a purpose in your pain. God has a design for your trouble. 
God has a plan for even your temptation to sin. Did you know that temptation doesn't always come from the devil by himself? You see, some of you are giving the devil credit for what God's doing. Paul said, there was given unto me a thorn in my flesh. And just so you know who gave it to him, he says that I would not become prideful, arrogant, conceited, self-sufficient because of the abundance of revelations that God had given to him. Paul said, God had given me so much grace that he knew I would become prideful and boastful. And therefore, he sent a messenger of Satan to buffet me. God sent the messenger of Satan, the thorn in his flesh. Why? Why, my Lord, my God, would God remove his hand of protection and give the enemy full access into your life? To humble you. Why is he having to humble us? Because we become prideful. Arrogant. Somehow we can handle it. We don't need... We've called God a liar. Hey, could, could I clue you in on something? When you're sitting in your bedroom, your shades are pulled, your door's closed, and you think nobody's looking, and this is what you look like. You know what that is? That's pride. I can't handle this. But I'm too proud to trust in God for his help. I, I, I can take care of this. But it's killing me trying to get it done. There was given a thorn in my flesh. That is the messenger of Satan to buffet me. And I prayed three times. How many times have you prayed for God to remove that temptation? How many times have you prayed for God to take you out of this trouble? How many times have you prayed for God to fix the situation and the circumstance that you find yourself living in and it seems like God ain't answering your prayer? Paul said, I prayed it three times. Could it be? Could it be that God is trying to show you just how much we as believers, as Christians, as followers of Christ... Need his grace, not yesterday, but right here, right now. Could it be he's trying to humble us? And, and this is what he said, Paul, my grace is sufficient. I, I've, I've allowed you to go through this trial. I've allowed you to experience this trouble to teach you that sometimes... It's not that I need to get you out of something. 
It's that I need to bring you through something. Because there's something coming in your future. That if I don't bring you through what you're going through right now, you will not be prepared for the temptation, the trial, the struggle that's just over the bend, just around the corner. My grace is sufficient in what you're going through right now. Cling to it. Hold on to it. Trust me at my promises. I'm not going to ask this morning, do you need the grace of God? What I'm going to do is I'm going to say there's an access into it. There is a source, and he is impeccable. The scope that we've seen in the text is it's grace for everybody. Not just... The saint, but the sinner too. It's grace for the Pharisee as well as the prostitute. It's grace for the prodigal and those walking in the father's house. Could I just say it's available to you and it's available right here, right now. Now the question comes, in what area of your life are you most in need of God's amazing grace this morning? I'm I'm talking to couples who are fighting tooth and nail. To save their marriage. And I want to submit to you this morning. That God's grace. Is sufficient. For your marriage. I'm I'm thinking of parents this morning. Whose hearts are ripped out. Over the lostness of their children. And I want to say to you mom and dad. Grandma, grandpa. God's grace is sufficient for the lostness of your family members. I'm speaking especially to Christians this morning that are struggling. Struggling in their faith. Come on. Struggling in believing God's promises with everything that's going on around us. Oh, they believe in grace, but it's been a while since they've experienced it. Because you see, while God's grace is unchanging, our faith shifts. Jesus said to his disciples, I have spoken these things unto you that your joy might be full. Now, where does faith come from? My Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, here it is, friend. If there is an absence of joy, there's an absence of faith. 
And if there's an absence of faith, there's only one way to increase it. I'm sorry, two ways. Two ways, biblically, to increase your faith that you might receive the grace that you so desperately need this morning. The disciples were unable to operate in the grace of God and perform miracles that they had in the past. And, and they, they asked Jesus, why weren't we able to cast out this devil? We did it before, but we can't do it now. We used to be stronger in our faith and stronger in our grace. Why is it that we don't have the power today that we used to have? And Jesus said, your faith. It's your unbelief. It's, it's your lack of faith. And it wasn't that they didn't have any faith. They just didn't have enough faith for the situation in front of them. And you see, it's not that you don't have any faith, but that situation, that circumstance is overwhelming you because your faith is weak. And so they prayed to Jesus and they said, Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. Increase our faith. And, and boy, that's a good prayer to pray. If you're struggling in this area of grace, that's where you need to begin is pray that God will increase your faith, that Christ will increase your faith. Because listen, your faith doesn't derive from self. You can't work it up. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So it comes from God. But when you pray for it, when you ask God for it, be ready to do what he requires of you to get it. I mean, wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be great if God would just open up your head and pour in more faith? But that's not the way it comes. When we pray and we ask Jesus to increase our faith, he says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You want to increase your faith, your access to God's grace. Here's where you get it. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We stand to our feet, our heads are bowed, and our eyes are closed. <clears throat> you know, I bet that miner sure was grateful. That his company invested in an elevator to drag him up out of a pit every evening. Do you realize that God has made an investment to drag you out of a pit, not once, but every day? David said, he drug me, he pulled me out of an horrible pit and set my feet on solid ground. I want to suggest to you that there's somebody, some of you sitting here this morning joining with us online and you need the elevator to do his work. Get in it. It's there. It's waiting. Get in his grace. And let him lift you up. Maybe you're here this morning. Joining with us online. And 
Truth be told, you've never been saved. You've never tasted of the grace of God. I want you to know you're the most important person sitting here or following us online today. You're second only to the Lord Jesus. And I just believe that He is here this morning for the sole purpose of lifting you from where you are to where He and you want you to be. Will you receive it today? By faith, just turn from self to Him. I'm going to ask Pastor Joel to come to the front. As he joins me here in the altar, we want to extend an invitation to you. Maybe you'd like for one of us or both of us to pray with you. In regards to where you're at, where you're living at, what you're going through right now. Why don't you come? We would love to do that this morning. If you want to be saved, then right now, right now you need to understand that the Bible says, and it's true, it's so true, Miss Natalie, that it is really this simple, that if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. And see, Billy, that's really the pit. That we are dead in our trespasses and sins. But as God raised Christ from the dead, he is our elevator. To be raised unto everlasting life. So if that's you and you believe that this morning, would you just pray with me right there where you're standing, right where you're sitting in front of your computer and just, just pray this, Heavenly Father, I acknowledge I need your grace. I admit I owe you a debt I cannot afford to pay. I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. But I believe your son paid my debt in full on the cross of Calvary. And so I receive the forgiveness that he so freely offers. By grace, send me your Holy Spirit to live inside of me, to make me more like Jesus, to help me live a life that's pleasing to you. Thank you for forgiving me and for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. As we begin to sing, why, why don't you come? Come receive the grace that God has made available. Come be lifted up from that pit.
preach again but God just showed me something in the Old Testament I hope this helps you 
in the Old Testament, Jacob falls asleep. And when he falls asleep, he lays his head on a rock. That rock, by the way, is a type of Christ. And while he's laying on that rock, God gives him a vision. God gives him a dream. Do you remember the vision? He saw a ladder set up on earth that reached all the way to heaven. And angels ascending and descending on the ladder. That is, he was given a vision of access into heaven. Jesus says in the New Testament, he's that ladder. He's that elevator. He, he's that access into heaven. You see, right now, you're, just, you're on the elevator. And one of these days, it's going up. Aren't you glad gravity is going to cut loose? Aren't you glad there's somebody standing at the top of the You ain't got to climb it. He's going to pull you up. You're in the elevator. Why don't you just spend the day praising God that you didn't have to pay to get in the elevator? Without price, he just opened the doors and said, come on in. Father, we're so grateful. So grateful that you are lifting us up. And Lord, you're going to lift us up. You're going to not only lift us up, but lift us out of here. And God, we know that it's by your grace. I pray that you would just help us to become all the more infatuated by your grace. May it be the very heartbeat of our soul. May our words be filled with grace and seasoned with salt. Now, God, we've confessed to you, we've admitted that Lord, sometimes there's stuff wrong with the conduit. And, and God, our words are not always seasoned with grace. So we pray that you would help us to learn from you this morning. God, give us the grace to talk. Give us the grace that our words would communicate, communicate your love, your faithfulness, your generosity, your goodness. To your people. We'll be careful. This very day and this very week. To give you the glory that you are so worthy of. Forgive us where we've sinned. And help us to be more like Jesus today. Than what we were yesterday. In his name we pray. Amen.